0: So today is Sunday, the 29th of November, 2020, and we've all come together to practice the cultivation of our hearts, to bring our minds together into samadhi, and to make them good, and to uh, cultivate them, um, to make them beautiful. And this is what we mean by bhavana, this uh, cultivation of the mind. So this bhavana is something that we need to train ourselves in um, consistently in the training of the mind. uh, We need effort, we need sincerity to do that. And it also requires a degree of forbearance with all of the sense impressions that we have to meet with, all of those that come into our hearts. Because our minds in the current state, they're not yet intelligent. Um, they still have this quality of delusion in them, which means that they run after all of the sense impressions that they experience, constantly giving rise to a sense of self. And that's all that they give rise to, and just issues of me and mine. And so in the training of the mind, Another quality that's very important is sata, is our faith, is our belief. And this uh, bears great importance in our practice. Because it's natural for us when we come to meditate that we have our own views about things. Um, And when we come to study and to practice the Dhamma, uh, we've done so in order to find knowledge. Oftentimes, we look for that knowledge in the scriptures, and then we take that to practice. And perhaps we listen to many different teachers, and this can give rise to a lot of doubts in our minds, especially for Westerners. And they can study a lot about the Dhamma and study all the different traditions in the world, so the Burmese tradition, Sri Lankan, Thai, Tibetan. So both Mahayana and Theravada. And all the studying can give rise to many doubts. So really what it comes down to is us needing to use mindfulness and wisdom. And especially when we meet with a lot of information like this. We seek through this information to try to find a path of practice that will lead us to the end of suffering. And so this is also a form of intelligence that Westerners have, and that they're trying to find the way out of suffering. So having a Grubha and a teacher, like Grunpucha, it's very important also to have faith in their teachings and to really try to practice what they taught, to take our minds to follow the krubaijan. This is very important. So when we are close to a great teacher and we have uh, faith, we have belief in their teachings, um, then we'll try to develop mindfulness and a sense of composure and restraint and have a lot of effort. We use all these things to train our hearts mostly problems arise when our minds don't have much peace in them. There's a lot of discursive thought going on, a lot of anxiety in the heart, and there isn't much calm. So we need to make the time, set aside the time to train our minds. Even though we might have much work to do, we um, dedicate periods of our day to sit in meditation, we may even be using our work or uh, doing things which are of benefit to the Buddha Sasana. But even so, we still need to set aside the time to meditate and to train our minds to be still and peaceful. And throughout one day, we can set aside many periods of time. Maybe we sit for one hour during these, each of these periods. So, as Lumpur Cha taught, that um, to make our bodies strong, we need to move them about and exercise them. But in order to make the mind strong, it needs to settle into stillness and peace. To put the practice easily, if we don't like thinking very much, then we just stay with the meditation word that we're using so we can keep buddha with us all throughout the day. And then when the mind is peaceful, it will come to know and gain knowledge by itself. However, if we are of the character that likes to think a lot, the mind is proliferating constantly, then we need to use an object of contemplation to bring the mind to peace. We can try to understand the process of cause and effect um, in the things that we're doing. And through this investigation, the mind will calm down we can contemplate into the body, seeing it as a collection of these four elements of earth, water, fire, and air, seeing it as being something that's inconstant. And we can ask ourselves, how are these things inconstant? And we try to know and understand that. Why is it that this body doesn't endure? Why can't I control it? And how can I consider this thing to really be me? If we get angry at someone, We can ask ourselves, is that person who we're angry with, are they real? Is this anger actually something real? And who is the one who is angry? So when we do this, the mind will eventually let go of the issues, the problems that it's holding on to. So we can contemplate um, any of these. So the inconstancy, the stress, the not-self nature, use whichever one works. And these are all means uh, to use wisdom to bring about the cultivation, the arising of samadhi. And that's what the grubaijans, that's what they taught, to use any object that works. So it depends on our character, uh, what we are naturally disposed towards. And whatever we find that works, we should do that a lot. At times, however, the defilements are very strong and active. There's a lot of greed, hatred, and delusion present in the heart. So Lumpu taught that during these periods we should contemplate death. And when I was staying with Lumpu Cha, I really wanted for him to tell me straight which meditation object I should use. And I felt if he did that, then I'd be able to throw all my efforts into it. But he didn't tell me straight in this way. He told me more in a way that I had to use my wisdom to figure it out. But when he gave this talk, um, recommending the use of death as an object of the mind, uh, I knew that he was uh, pointing me towards this, to contemplate that life is uncertain, but death is certain. Death is the end, the culmination of our life. Life is uncertain, and death is certain. So when we contemplate in this manner, then the mind should gather together and come to a point of stillness and peace. In the beginning, we must uh, go through this contemplation of death very frequently, Um, but when the mind has reached a place of quietude and stillness, um, then it's not necessary to constantly go through this object. But if we are using a meditation word Buddha, that works as well, because this too brings our mind to a state of peace and samadhi. Initially it's kanaka samadhi, this momentary or minor samadhi, and this will eventually develop into upajara or neighborhood samadhi. And slowly this then uh, develops into apana samadhi, samadhi which is very still, and there's a lot of energy that comes from that. We're able to contemplate into the body in a manner that allows us to see it with clarity. And We can look into rupa and nama, or physicality and mentality, and see that it's anatta, it's not self. So I ask for everyone here to have confidence in this practice and the meditation object that they're using so that you don't have doubts about what you're doing. Because when we may ask ourselves, well, how can I do this? How do I practice? How do I understand the Dhamma? How do I see the Dhamma? But we need to have a sense of certainty, confidence, um, conviction in what we're doing. Even though we have this faith at times, it's natural that when the mind isn't peaceful, then that faith will abandon us. It's usually not at a point where it's able to stay with us all the time. And during the times when the mind is devoid of peace, then the kilesas come up very strong. There's a lot of chaos and confusion in the heart, and its faith drops. There's all kinds of thoughts that go on in the mind. We need to understand that with this thinking, it's up to us whether we believe it or we don't believe it because these thoughts are not self. So we have this faith in our hearts um, and we try to maintain it um, as much as we can. But it's also uh, normal uh, that when the part isn't peaceful that there will be a lot of doubts, a lot of confusion in the mind we may wonder um, how we can proceed along this path of practice. So these thoughts in the mind are able to take us to many places. And they're able to think about many many different things. They're able to think on the level of hell, on the level of heaven. And the mind is also able to take us to Nibbāna. So we need to be careful and we need to be are very weary of what the heart is doing. So the mind is able to think and create all kinds of different things. So we have to be very cautious about it. And as we have this caution over the mind, then our meditation practice will go better. But we need um, to be aware of what's going on when any sense impression arises to know what quality it is. If it's an unskillful sense impression, then we abandon it. And for those that are yet unarisen, we don't allow them to arise. In the beginning, however, this is difficult and it's natural that they'll come up. And then there's a feeling of aversion towards them. We don't want these feelings. And we're afraid that if we have bad thoughts that we'll fall into hell that these thoughts are very evil. So the mind thinks in this way, and we don't like it. Even if it's just a momentary thought, we're averse towards it. And um, this can really be a cause of inner turmoil and torture in our hearts. It is so because we believe all these things are me and mine. So whenever the mind thinks about something, we don't like it, but we're not able to control it. But we need to know what's going on, and just try to slowly but gradually abandon these unskillful things. And eventually things will get better. The mind will feel more at ease and more calm. And the unskillful objects in the heart will slowly start to diminish. In the beginning, however, it's natural for these things to come up, and to come up quite a lot. Anything that's not good, we simply abandon it. We simply let it go. We use our wisdom to contemplate, and this allows the mind to cultivate samadhi. As we do this, um, then there will be a sense of uh, buoyancy, both in the body and in the heart there'll be great energy that we gain within our minds as well. The body feels light, and the mind also feels light. And at this point, we can contemplate the Dhamma very easily. It's easy for us to be able to teach our minds. If the mind has a lot of ignorance, however, it's very stubborn. It's very difficult to teach. And so that's why we need to train it. So some people ask, well, why should we go through this path of practice? Well, it's because we have delusion. And due to this delusion, we need to teach our minds so that they gain knowledge. And when the heart is peaceful, what that means is that we have temporarily suppressed the kilesas. But when we come out of that state of the samadhi, then these defilements will arise again. So this is the path of practice that we have to carry on with, we have to persist with. It's difficult, but it's something that we are able to do. Some practitioners, um, during the course of um, their practice, will experience a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulty. But what they're doing is creating the causes for happiness in the future. So for those who experience difficulty in their practice there are those who proceed quickly and those who progress slowly but lumpucha said that if we stay close to a great teacher someone who has a lot of Bharami, then this can help us develop quickly even if we ourselves have little Bharami. so we stay close to them and we try to follow their teachings try to let them guide us, um, and we'll be able to get there, just the same. When the mind settles into stillness, it becomes peaceful. It's very amazing in that state. But usually the mind can't just abide in this state forever. So during the course of our practice, sometimes we'll feel calm and sometimes we won't. And during this, it's like we're fumbling our way along. And we need to endure a lot. So we have to have um, this great intention and sincerity in our practice to really focus on Nibbāna as the object of our hearts. This wish, this desire for Nibbāna. Which means that we bring our hearts to see and understand the Dhamma to get to know the truth. So if our minds are calm and still, whether we're using the meditation word of Buddha or whether we're watching our breath, then eventually we will understand the Dhamma without much difficulty. But before we get to that point, we need to have a lot of effort. We need to bring up our sincerity and our devotion to the practice, and this is very important. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we raise our efforts? How do we um, arouse our sincerity? We need to force our minds to practice initially, especially for the monks. We need to force ourselves to go to the chanting, to practice meditation, because if we don't do this, if we don't go on arms round, well, that's just the defilements um, taking control of us. If we don't help out with the chores, then we're just acting through defilement. So we have to have a basis for our holy life. We must be restrained. We must be cautious. When we eat and when we sleep, we need to know the right amount, what's just right uh, in this, and to bring up a uh, sense of balance in our lives. Because if we just sleep more and more and eat more and more, that shows us that ikilesas have taken control of our hearts. If we're eating too much, then we need to eat less and maybe lose a bit of weight. And we don't just throw away this path of practice. So now during the cold season it stopped raining, And a very good practice is to stay at the foot of a tree. And this brings up um, awareness and a sense of uh, caution in the mind because we don't know what's going to be around us. Maybe a centipede will come, maybe a snake will come slithering along. So the mind becomes awake um, through the fear that it has. And even though we're asleep, there's still mindfulness there with us. So now is a very good time to do this practice. We have a good opportunity. All of these methods of training are for the sake of bringing about peace and samadhi into our minds. We try not to seek out pleasure in the food that we eat, in becoming distracted and drunk on forms of amusement. We don't seek pleasure in sleep, but rather we awaken ourselves through our efforts. So you will need to be sincere and set your hearts on doing this. And Lumpur said that those who can practice in this way will progress very quickly. They'll gain knowledge quickly. Because they have this caution, they're not heedless in their lives. We must contemplate and reflect upon the nature of deterioration of conditioned phenomena and reflect upon this every single day. And I ask for everyone to be sincere in this path of practice.